Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Now, back pain is quite common in adults, but how often does this happen in kids? Can things like scoliosis be treated if identified early enough? How could an app actually help for diagnosing your loved one or your child with having a spine problem? Well, today I am lucky enough to be joined by Dr. Paul Moroz. He's a Shriners Hospital for the last two or so years, but has experience in orthopedic surgery for over two decades. And we're going to hear today about some of the unique things that he has an opportunity to see. And what are some of the great ways that we found ways to use technology to help with the diagnosis of back problems in children. So thank you for joining me on the show today. It's a pleasure, Kathy. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm an internist, so I deal with adults. So to me, back pain is you lifted up something heavy, you did something you shouldn't have, you overexerted your back, and now you've got a problem. But you shouldn't have this as a kid. So I don't know anything about back pain in children. Is this a warning sign of something that parents need to be concerned about? Uh, Kathy, it is, um, because it is uh, fairly rare. And therefore, uh, if it happens, then it needs to be taken seriously. Now, you know, kids fall and off the monkey bars and they injure themselves. And so they might have a scratch or a sprain in their back and that sort of thing. And, and it'll go away in a couple of days and uh, you can explain all that away. But if your child uh, or adolescent or teen, uh, old teen is complaining of uh, back pain over many weeks and, um, and, and that sort of thing, then it, it should be uh, considered to, you know, take to your primary care physician to have a look at. Um, there are sometimes red flags that we look for. So uh, pain that doesn't go away, pain that's difficult to explain, pain that's going down your leg or something like that, pain that uh, wakes you up at night pain that uh, uh, doesn't get better with a mild analgesic like Tylenol or uh, ibuprofen or something like that, something or uh, some numbness associated. It's rare, but it does happen because unfortunately children do get infections in their back. Sometimes they'll get uh, even tumors in their back, certain growths or deformities that can, uh, that can sometimes lead to pain. Interestingly, uh, people think about scoliosis and those curvatures that you that you can sometimes see, and and people think that they're actually painful. But the, for more 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 times than not, scoliosis is actually fairly pain free, um, and so. Uh, uh, so a deformity can actually get quite big before it's noticed, and then people wonder, uh, why Why didn't we see that? Why isn't it painful? And some parents uh, really can torture themselves with guilt, thinking, how could I miss this deformity when we sort of lift up the shirt and look at the deformity um, formally, and how could I have missed this? And so, Or else someone else picks it up, like the ballet teacher or grandma uh, you know, on the weekend. When they're visiting, and they say, "How could?" And so it happens. Teenagers, in particular, are you know quite famous hiding their bodies from their family, from their parents. You know, they're at that time of life, and uh, when they're you know very conscious about image, and so um, um, 
that can sometimes happen, especially when they notice something's going on and sometimes they don't want to let their parents know that, hey, maybe I should visit my primary care physician. So, yeah, so back pain, albeit being fairly rare when it does happen, you know, we doctors do take it seriously. A lot of it can be explained away by minor injuries and sprains and strains. And yes, those are very common. But when something just sort of seems a little bit different, it persists, it doesn't get better, it wakes them up at night, uh, then uh, then uh, we teach our orthopedic residents, keep looking, you know, until you find something because sometimes you will. So there's the painful aspect of back discomfort, and then there's the other aspect of scoliosis. So let's talk a little bit about scoliosis for a few moments, because you mentioned that's painless, and it's rare that I'll see this as an adult, because usually kids these days will have it corrected before they reach an office like mine. But I do see some adults that are, you know, older in life, in their 70s or 80s, and they actually were born with scoliosis, and then combine that with compression fractures, osteoporosis, they start to have a whole different trajectory for their spine health. But when you have someone who you see and identify that has scoliosis, the first thing I think about is, you know, those whole body casts or those things you hear about that might have happened when kids were young. But I'm certain that what they do now is different. When you are a parent and you're looking at your child's spine, is there a way that you can identify that they may have a scoliosis? Because, you know, school nurses these days aren't really around very much. So how do we identify it? And then we'll talk about how we treat it. Uh, I'm going to start first by just defining for the audience what scoliosis That's a really good is. point. Okay. Um, so uh, scoliosis is a curvature of the spine that's in an unnatural plane, if you will. So the normal spine has appropriate... Uh, curves that make us balanced in order to be able to walk in a cost effect in a in an energy efficient fashion, and so everyone has that little bit of a sway in their back and a little bit of a uh, a sway in their neck, and it's all balanced out. So when when the the curvatures start to become abnormal, go in abnormal directions, then then we have these terms called scoliosis. Scoliosis is a clinical term that we have to actually measure off of an X ray. A slight amount of asymmetry in the spine is actually quite normal or can be normal. So, for example, we define scoliosis as a, an, uh, an angle on an X-ray that's more than, say, 10 degrees. It's called a Cobb angle. So it gets very technical here. But when it's less than 10 degrees, as many curves are, then we call it spinal asymmetry. And so many, many of the children that we assess actually don't have scoliosis. They have a little bit of asymmetry. And so... Asymmetry in the human body can be very common. Um, lots of people have shoe size that's one or two, even two sizes different. Someone might have a shoulder that's a little bit higher up than the other. A leg may be a centimeter or a centimeter and a half longer. That's actually quite normal. So asymmetry in the human body is, is not uncommon. Uh, but people do get uh, alarmed by it, and our job is to reassure them that it is quite common. But when it gets a little bit too much, then it can affect your body and the way it moves and the way it grows. So, uh, so we will we will help identify the kind of curvature the spine has. We'll identify this minor spinal asymmetry, uh, reassure the family, reassure the child that you know everything's going okay. We will usually follow that up because there's nothing better than following things to make sure that they might not be one of those statistical outliers that might uh, go sour, if you will. And so we'll, we'll see them as six months later. Now, if they have scoliosis, 
uh, again, we usually use uh, an X-ray to actually make that firm diagnosis. Then we will uh, we will follow them more closely. We'll have to occasionally repeat the X-ray, although we work very hard now to minimize the amount of X-rays because that's not good for you. Although the technology is really getting much better um, um, in regards of more lower dose um, uh, radiation. So. Uh, the t- technology is helping us to to, to uh, make the diagnosis, uh, to help follow these children and make sure that uh, if there's any kind of treatment they require, then we can offer that. So, um, so the technology there 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 are uh, things out there that parents can use if they're worried that their child might have uh, a, a spinal asymmetry. Uh, there's a uh, there's an app actually that the Shriners Hospital has put together uh, called Spine Screen that you can find it online and you can download it onto your uh, onto your um, smartphone and it actually uh, uh, actually helps you to assess the asymmetry in the back as the child flexes forward um, and uh, can uh, uh, alert you to the possibility. Uh, that there's maybe a, an asymmetry. Now, uh, you know, all the parents out there might be looking and thinking about, you know, this is just an adjunct. This is just a screening tool. There's no substitute for seeing your primary care physician and then your primary care physician making the decision as to whether to get an x-ray or whether to go and see the specialist or something like that. But it's just a tool to make us think about things, to look critically at, at our children if we feel that there might be something a little bit uh, uh, asymmetrical. So spine screen is one uh, one uh, tool that can be uh, uh, utilized by the public. All right. Well, we're going to learn some more about that. And also, how do we treat this condition if someone indeed has it? I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. And I'm here speaking with Dr. Paul Morose from Shriners Hospital. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about what are the treatments for scoliosis and what are the other potential causes of back pain in our youth. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Paul Morose from Shriners Hospital. And we're talking today about orthopedic surgery and what sorts of things are done for our children and for the youth. What if they do have spinal asymmetry or other conditions that could be meeting the definition of scoliosis, that abnormal curvature in the spine? And what are some other causes of back pain? Now, right before the break, we were talking about that difference between spinal asymmetry and the true definition of of scoliosis and using an app to help do some of the screening for this for people. But again, you mentioned that's not going to replace seeing your primary care provider and making sure that they evaluate the back with the tools that they have. Now, let's say there's a positive diagnosis, Dr. Morose. What happens next? We do a full examination to uh, uh, rule out all the different kinds of causes of scoliosis. So the most common cause of scoliosis in a uh, and let's put it in perspective. So typically it's a adolescent or teenager, somewhere between the age of 10 and, uh, say, 15. So girls tend to mature earlier than boys. They essentially stop growing by the age of 14, boys about 16. 
So between 10 and, and the end of puberty is the time when scoliosis likes that growth in height, that adolescent growth spurt. So that's when we will follow the child every few months to see if their spinal curvature is actually getting bigger. Uh, we, will, we have a variety of tools to do that. Um, and uh, if we see that this curve is actually getting bigger, then there are things we can do. The important thing is to remember that you can have a little bit of scoliosis and have a normal, completely normal life, completely uh, 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 normal lifespan, any occupation you want, uh, any sport you want with a minor scoliosis. The real worry we have is this, if this scoliosis continues to get bigger and bigger. So earlier I talked about certain cob angles on the x-ray, and if those curves tend to get bigger, then uh, uh, then they hit a certain uh, threshold where the curve can even continue to get bigger even as an adult. And so as you grow older and older in adulthood, the curve can get bigger and bigger, and, uh, and that can cause a lot of problems because then the pain will start as you're older. Then you can actually cause collapse of the lungs that can lead to um, problems with your breathing, problems even strain on the heart, and then the mechanical back pains are just being so asymmetric that it hurts, literally. So that's what we're trying to prevent. So if, for example, we identify a, uh, a teenage girl, and I usually will say teenage girls because for anybody with a significant scoliosis, it tends to be more girls than guys. Five girls for every guy will have a clinically relevant scoliosis. So we're often looking at teenage girls. And so when we're seeing them and they have lots of growth potential, then uh, in, in terms of height and growth, then we'll follow them along. If we identify, a, um, uh, so a lot of treatment is just mere observation. Okay, you're, and they finish growing, and okay, you've got a small curve, it's 20 degrees, you're going to do just fine, you can play any sport you want. You can. Now, the big problem often, though, is, uh, is self-esteem, because they're asymmetric, the bullying happens, image concerns are a huge problem because of the age they're at, the image uh, issues, and so well, there's a lot of reassurance about that. And, and But there's lots of support groups out there um, uh, that can help with that sort of thing, parents helping other parents, other t- um, uh, teenagers or older kids who've been through it can help younger uh, patients that we have. So there, there's this kind of support as well. So the body image issue is, is a pretty important one as well. Um, and, but a lot of the scoliosis just stops and then, uh, and then doesn't get any bigger. And then if it starts to get to a certain threshold, then we will often uh, recommend a brace. So and a brace is a, a kind of a plastic and uh, other materials, and it basically tries to straighten you out like a corset would. And you have to wear that for several hours during the day. Most, uh, many will sleep in it and then go to school in it with, uh, for a few hours. A certain threshold of about 12 or 13 hours a day that they need to wear it. And that will actually stop the curve from getting worse. So that's, uh, that's another evidence-based treatment form that has been, uh, uh, that has, uh, been developed. And it's now well-defined with some really good big studies to show that it's actually effective. And then if a curve gets really, really big, then we'll talk about the surgical interventions. Why do you think it's more girls greater than boys that have this problem? So the cause of routine, regular, everyday garden variety scoliosis is uh, we're not sure. 
That's why we call it idiopathic. Idiopathic is the fancy doctor talk term for, ah, we kind of don't know what causes it. But we kind of do. We know it's a genetic influence with some some, uh, um, uh, environmental uh, uh, influence as well. It's not a single gene. It's not a single sort of causation. So that's for your typical kind of scoliosis. Now, there's other kinds of scoliosis where you're actually – something's wrong with the bones in your back. It's called congenital scoliosis. And that can, uh, that can cause early onset scoliosis, even in small babies or children. So something happened in the first trimester of mom's pregnancy where a congenital anomaly developed in the spine. And then as the child is born and grows, then that can cause certain problems as well. That can be very difficult to treat, but we have a lot of very successful treatments for that. Other causes can be syndromic causes, um, Rett syndrome. Uh, some, some syndromes have a very high rate of scoliosis. Um, certain uh, neuromuscular problems, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, cerebral palsy, can have scoliosis um, um, as, part of, uh, as part of the clinical picture. So there's a lot of different causes. The most common variety is that idiopathic scoliosis, which is actually only a small part of the population. Only 0.3% of the population gets scoliosis, and only of that, only 0.3% of that actually gets scoliosis big enough that actually might need, say, an operation. Is it the same worldwide, or is this mainly in the United States or in developing countries that we're seeing these small percentages? They're, uh, They're pretty small in general all around. Other causes like infection, TB, or something like that, that is clearly more of a problem in the developing world and that can cause spinal deformities might be more prevalent in the developing world. So that kind of gets us along to the idea of back pain. So whereas scoliosis may be a painless sort of a condition, that early intervention or early diagnosis can help with monitoring with follow-up and potentially help if there's a brace involved or some other type of surgical correction that's needed, although that's not for most. But if you have back pain and you're a child and you have a straight spine or even a partially curving spine, there could be potential causes. And you mentioned infection. TB is one of those. We don't generally see tuberculosis causing these other types of secondary problems like they do in developing countries. Tuberculosis, we'll see it as potentially a pulmonary infection. Rare we see it in the spine. I think I've seen it in when I've done work in developing countries or maybe when I was doing my training, but not not yet here in the islands for someone who was born and raised in the islands, although that certainly is not the case for, for everyone. So in that case, you would want to rule out infection. We talked about back pain being something that needs to be evaluated and wanting to be careful with radiologic imaging in children. What are some of the ways that we can help distinguish between pain because, you know, somebody does extra activities and has fun at the playground versus some of these other more serious concerning causes, maybe infection being one of them, but what are the distinguishing features? You talked a little bit at the top of the show, how long it lasts, if it's persistent. So if you find someone who has some of those red flags, what sort of testing do you do? Uh, The hallmark of, uh, of diagnosis I always teach my students is still a good history. Uh, history. 80% of diagnosis, I think, can be made on history alone, and then a good classic physical examination. Two and, things we're not good at here and, in the United yeah, States. And, 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 and let's keep the technology out of it for now, because uh, we don't want to lose our skills for diagnosing. 
uh, the problems. And then, uh, so that will that will almost always that will lead you to whether this is a going to be a problem back or it's not going to be a problem back. If you can just get it from the history, when did the pain start? Uh, when does the pain come? What are you doing when the pain, uh, you know, is there? Is it sharp? Is it dull? The typical sort of history things. And then a physical examination to look for other things that might be associated with the pain. So uh, loss of range of motion, for example. So five-year-old kids don't uh, walk with a rigid back. Uh, they just don't because uh, – uh, they, uh, they, they're little kids. They're supposed to be supple. Now, um, 15 year olds, uh, typically don't as well, but sometimes they learn from us old adults that, oh, you know, I have an agenda. I might not want to do that, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, five mile run at school. And so I'm going to walk a little bit fun- or something like that. So like that would probably have been me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so, uh, back pain in teenagers is, seems to be a little bit on the rise. And there, part of that may be involvement in lots of sports, uh, more, uh, more um, uh, exuberant sports or high-risk sports. A lot of kids now uh, uh, have multiple sports, so they don't have any downtime between injuries. So where I'm from in Canada, it used to be lacrosse and hockey, you know, hockey season ends. Now I'll jump into lacrosse, you know, and you can't nurse those injuries. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and you're listening to The Body Show. I'm here with Dr. Paul Moroz from Shriners Hospital. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the diagnostic tools that we use in kids these days and how you can tease out the difference between real back pain and maybe I just don't want to exercise back pain. I'm feeling back pain coming on right now, Dr. Moroz. I don't want to go to the gym. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Inter-Island Solar Supply, Kaiser Permanente, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Paul Moroz from Shriners Hospital. He's got over two decades of experience in orthopedic surgery and expertise and did his training at a variety of different places, Harvard Children's Hospital being one of them, and has the expertise to know what's going on with kids when they have back discomfort. When is it a serious sign of concern? When is it something that needs to be further evaluated? And has done lots of different work in developing countries and is in a unique position where you actually have other, because your work at Shriners is supporting a mission of taking care of orthopedic injuries of children, no matter what their ability is to pay and to really help to promote great orthopedic health of people, no matter where they're from, that allows you to have a fairly unique practice style. You get a chance to see kids coming from all over the Pacific coming to see you for your expertise. Now we're talking about how do we evaluate some of those troublesome signs of back pain. And granted, this may be more common when someone comes from a country where infections like tuberculosis are endemic or other types of medical conditions like nutritional deficiency may be an issue. But there's certainly some principles that also affect us here in the islands. So when you identify that someone has these red flags of concern. And you've done, as I absolutely agree with you, a detailed history gives you most of your diagnosis. And doing a physical exam, a very good, thorough physical exam, can actually help you more than some of the technology can. What sort of technology do you have available to you to do some of these different diagnostic tests? And how does that help you with back pain in kids and that part of that evaluation? 
so primarily we put a lot of importance on that plain ordinary x-ray. And so, yes, it's a bit of radiation. Uh, however, technology is what it is. It's uh, continually reducing the uh, uh, radiation and uh, improving the uh, ability to do uh, uh, to do that kind of uh, technology. We're really lucky at the Shriners. We uh, uh, we uh, have a new uh, machine that's coming, the first on the island, called the EOS machine. Uh, it has t- literally 10% of the radi- radiation for a full-length uh, uh, spine X-ray and uh, is uh, is used all over North America, uh, in, in, including the other Shriners hospitals uh, in the in the in the Shriners systems uh, across North America and and in Europe, and it's the latest technology. So we're really happy about uh, uh, developing that. That helps us to get a full a full length spine X-ray. So in the old days, you'd take small little bits of the X-rays and then kind of paste it together. And now we do that digitally on the computer, but now we'll be able to take almost a full body X-ray with a with a fraction of the radiation, and then get that full view of the spine and the body's true spinal balance. And that gives us an idea of what's going on. And a lot of things you can diagnose that way: abnormal curves, uh, imbalance, uh, the scoliosis, the increasing scoliosis. If uh, a bone has an infection, you can usually see that if it's developed enough. If there's an abnormal bone, like in a congenital scoliosis I talked about earlier, you'll be able to see that some of the other causes uh, uh, can also be identified, even uh, latent infections. So, um, so a plain or X-ray is what we usually rely on. If we have a more, um, you know, exotic cause of scoliosis, then sometimes a little bit of blood work would be required in order to say look for an infection or to look for, or, or maybe even uh, a, a gene uh, uh, genetic studies to see if a syndrome might not be involved or something else. In the in the case of a congenital uh, um, scoliosis, because uh, the cause of congenital scoliosis can happen. Early in a in a in a woman's pregnancy, uh, with a developing fetus, then we we're obliged to also look for other organ systems that might be affected by a congenital uh, problem, and that might be a heart problem, that be a lung problem, might be a, re- a problem with the renal system or the or the uh, kidneys and that sort of thing. So uh, it can lead to a sort of a cascade of of uh, of tests that we do because obviously we need to be fairly thorough about this, and so uh, and then um, as things go along and. If uh, the more involved the scoliosis may be, then we will certainly do something like an MRI. So if we describe it, you know, I said earlier that most scoliosis of the routine kind typically is not painful. Uh, but if it is painful, then we'll typically get an MRI because there are there are conditions that uh, an X-ray might look like a normal kind of a scoliosis, but uh, the MRI might pick up uh, an, uh, an early infection or an aberrant uh, bone that's pushing on a nerve, for example, on a congenital um, anomaly. So we'll often use an MRI. MRIs are nice because they're, uh, they look at the stuff you can't see on x-rays, uh, but the nice thing about them, uh, Kathleen, is they're not, there's not, they're not radiating. So you're no, not it's getting, all magnetic, yeah. You're not getting zapped. So um, they're big, expensive machines, but they do a wonderful job showing us things, and, uh, and, you, and it doesn't harm the patient. Um, CT scanning uh, is a bit of radiation. We do use that, uh, but we use that very judiciously uh, if we have to. So, and then there's a bunch of other tests we can use uh, on occasion. But that would be the sort of uh, main uh, thrust of a approach for somebody where 
particularly concerned about. Now, just to set the stage for folks out there thinking we're going to be putting their people through the ringer, really for you know, uh, a regular kind of scoliosis, it would be really just an occasional plain X-ray, low-dose radiation that would be, and clinical examination. And then we work very hard, as I said earlier, to minimize the amount of radiation a child gets. And we have these little tools, these clinical tools that we use. One's called a scoliometer that we are able actually to measure the child on the physical exam, uh, the angulation of their spine. And, and that will give us an idea of whether they're actually getting worse or not. And if they're not getting worse, then we don't need to do a new x-ray. So lots of little tools. Well, it certainly sounds like you're having a lot of fun with it, too. <laughs> It's certainly interesting. Well, it's kept you in the field yes. for uh, over two decades. And I think a lot of the work that you're able to identify early and to do makes a huge difference when we talk about what we can do to help with the orthopedic issues for people uh, worldwide, really, but particularly here in Hawaii, because Shriners has such a commitment to the entire Pacific, including our residents here. You know, I feel like I've learned an immense amount of information from you today. We're going to definitely have to do it again, because there, it, time has flown. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. Dr. Paul Moroz is a orthopedic specialist at Shriners Hospital. And if you'd like to hear this show again, you can always click on our public radio org website. You can also follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the app, the HPR app, that you can download to your smartphone. Our engineer today is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will see you next week. We're going to talk about some more health topics. We'll be right there every Monday on The Body Show. See you then. Mm-hmm.